let me say that news was so special because I want to honour our church team. They have moved heaven and earth to keep ministries going. We don't have a building, but ministries are happening and they're finding parks, they're finding down at the beach, they're doing everything they can because they believe in what they're doing and they believe that the church will continue no matter what. So can we say thanks to, to our incredible staff team and all that they're doing. I just want to encourage you to sign up for a team. The sign up is on the left-hand side there. You can see a big circle there says join a team. So after the service, if you can just go and look at all those teams and put your name down for one of those teams. If you haven't ticked a box at the, um, in the form that you filled out, it would be lovely to have you be part of a team. It's exciting. It's exciting to see what God is doing as he's releasing all these teams. The team that has the greatest fun, I think, is our car parking team. Did you see the, the buggies and everyone wanted to go of the buggies and um, before people arrived, I think a few of us had to go of the buggies. <laughs> it, it was good. We had um, Greg with Tesla bringing people up. What We can go to a church and have a Tesla, isn't it? Amazing. We have shuttle buses. Thank you so much. Everyone is just stepping up because that's the church. The church always steps up and that's who we are. So I want to say thanks. Thank you so much. Let me pray. We want to hear God. We want God to speak to our hearts this morning. And I trust your heart is ready. Lord, this morning, help us get our heart and our mind ready to hear your word. Lord, I want to pray that you'd open our hearts to allow the Holy Spirit to come and breathe on us. That we will see things as you see them. God, you know where we are in our journey. You know our challenges. You know our victories. And you know our dreams. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to break in on where we are and lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, I started speaking on Joshua. And I want to continue on Joshua and his journey. You see, he had a promise from God. God's promise was that they're going to get into the promised land. But as we start to read the story, we haven't seen the provision yet. They're not there. And there's a big gap between promise and provision. And I wonder in your life, what has God promised you that hasn't happened yet? And you're still on a journey saying, God, I'm waiting for you to answer that prayer. God, I'm waiting for you to turn up in what I've asked you to do. And you're starting to question, is God hearing me? Joshua and the people of Israel could have been exactly the same. For 40 years, they were lost in the wilderness. For 40 years, they were after a promise and they needed God's provision. And we come to a point in Joshua 3 and 4, we're just on the eve of that provision. God is about to turn up and it's absolutely amazing. Because so often we think the moment God promises me something, I'm going to get it now. God's promised a healing. God, why aren't I healed? God, you promised me a partner. Why don't I have a partner? God, you promised that things would work out better. Why haven't they? Because I want to suggest this morning, you're in the process to God providing and understand that. 
We all live in a world that's so instantaneous. I want it and I want it now. And as I read scripture, I see in the economy of God's promises, there is a process and we need to trust God in our process. Wouldn't it be good to say that the church will be rebuilt next week and we'll move in? Wouldn't that be great? I'm sure God's promised he's going to rebuild it. But there's going to be a process and it's what we do in the process that is so important. And that's why we've set our sails and we're declaring the church is still the church. There's no glitches. We are still the people of God. We are moving forward powerfully. We're not stepping back. And the same, I want to say, for your dreams and your plans that God is with you in the process. Don't give up. Don't lose the way when the prayer hasn't been answered. Don't lose the way when the marriage hasn't come back together. Don't lose the way when you're still grappling with your finances. Don't lose the way when you dream that God promised you hasn't been fulfilled. Don't get lost in the process because God is still there. Let me read you from Joshua chapter 3. It says, early in the morning... Joshua and all the Israelites went to the Jordan, where they had camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of God, the Lord your God, and the priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow the Ark. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before." Church, we've never been this way before. When I went to Bible college, they didn't tell me how to navigate a church that burns down. But God has a process and God doesn't make a mistake. In your life, you probably never navigated the section of your life that you are navigating now. But God isn't saying, well, I'm not sure where it's going. He knows exactly where it's going. He just wants you in the process to journey with him and trust him. So Joshua told his people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord is going to do amazing things among you. He was leaning back on the promise, tomorrow God is going to provide for us. How amazing. But it would be good to have it now. What have you been praying for? that God's made you wait for. You know, for me personally, I'm a type A personality. I want it now. I want instantaneous stuff. If I'm praying for something, God, I want you to provide it now. A number of years ago, I went through a time when I burnt out. I just burnt out. And I went and saw a psychologist. And as I was talking to the psychologist, he saw right through me. And he realized that I was a person that really couldn't wait for God, but wanted to jump ahead with everything. I want it, and I want it now. So he did an amazing thing. He said to me, Phil, I want you to create a veggie garden. And I thought, that's the last thing I want to do. I've done veggie gardens. Please, no. And he said it about five times. Phil, go and plant a veggie garden. I thought, can't I just go and buy the vegetables and I've got them? but he knew exactly what he was doing. So I planted the veggie garden. I chose carrots, I chose lettuce, and I chose corn. 
Corn, because I was going to buy them about that high. Lettuce, because I bought the plants this big. And carrots, I had to do seeds. But I wasn't going to start everything from seeds, because if I went out and watered dirt, I don't think how, I'd know how long I'd last. I had to have something to give me incentives. So just having some corn there and some of the lettuce, it gave me the incentive when I went out and thought, what on earth am I doing? I want this now. Has ever God put you in a position where the prayer isn't answered and you're working on the process? And I want to tell you there is something amazing that I learned in the process. If I do what I should do, it all works out. As I'd go each day and I'd water those plants, well, what do you know? They're starting to grow. What do you know? There's now carrot tops where there was no carrot tops. And something was happening in my heart to realize, Phil, settle back, relax, and let the process take its place. And I think that's with our prayers and as we're seeking God, settle back and let God do what he wants to do because he's at work. Even when you don't see them growing, they're really growing. Even when you forget to water them for two days, God's got it somehow, and they're still growing. And then the corn grows. And I learned from my father-in-law, when you plant corn, you plant two together and give nice space so the sun could get around them, and the two stalks would come up, and you'll get more yield if you do that. So by this time, my corn was this high. So I'd open every day, open the end to see, can I pick it? Can I pick it? And we had some... Um, early picked corn, didn't we, in those days because I couldn't wait for it to see what had been produced. But even though there is a process, God is still at work. And I think that's a word for someone today, that you want it now, you're questioning God why you haven't got it, but God's saying you're in the process, trust him. And that's exactly what had to happen with Joshua. Joshua had to trust God. They're on the way to the promised land. That's a promise. But they haven't got the provision yet. They certainly haven't received the provision. God's promise for the Israelites was a land flowing with milk and honey, the promised land. But the process was 40 years to get there. It had been a long, hard journey. There were events. There were accidents. It cost them a lot along the way. There were deaths. There were funerals. There was 40 years of manna. Imagine if you tried to feed your kids the same stuff for a week. 40 years, what's for breakfast, mum? Manna. Oh, dad, can you do something on the barbecue tonight? Manna. 40 years. You think you've got it tough? 40 years. The menu never changed. There were lots of storms. There was lots of hoping and lots of disappointment and broken dreams. A generation that had never really seen the hand of God, but they'd heard it from their fathers and their forefathers that this God is at work in the process and God will come through with the promise. 
And I think we've got a generation today that needs to hear that God is at work in the process and he's going to come through and provide the promise that he's always promised. Now we get to the very eve, just before they're about to cross the Jordan. They're at the precipice of crossing over into the promised land. The promise was about to be fulfilled. Standing on the fulfillment of God's promises, they have waited for for 40 years. Couldn't you imagine? Couldn't you imagine there'd be an absolute celebration in the camp? Couldn't you imagine that the ladies would get out the tambourines and the the guys would start to to do do the dancing and there'd be amazing celebration at last. After 40 years, God has come through. We're going to walk into the promised land. We just can't wait. This is so amazing, so close to the provision. But in their camp, there was absolute silence. There was no celebration. Have you ever wondered why? They weren't celebrating. Because when you get close to provision, sometimes you're just worn out. Sometimes when you've been praying for something for so long and it comes through, you're you're just over it. Some people say when the house is paid off finally after 150 years, I'm gonna dance through the place. After 150 years, you're too old to dance through the place. <laughs> when I finish studying, I'm just going to go out and celebrate. But the moment you finish studying, the next season's there and you've got to get ready for what you've studied for. Or when my kids get raised and off my hands, man, we're going to have the biggest holiday in the world. But it doesn't happen because your kids are never off your hands. You have the privilege of having your kids and your grandkids with you all your life. And that is an honour, an absolute honour, not a joke. The greatest battle is when you're closest to the destination. And for some of you, I'm sure this morning, there's battles happening. There's battles happening and there's questions happening and you're wondering, God, where are you in this? And I want to remind you this morning that God is still processing it. He's not forgotten about you. He's still processing it and the provision is almost there. Don't, whatever you do, don't give up. You see, these guys, these Israelites, they were blindsided. Have you ever been blindsided? Have you ever been caught off guard? Have you ever gone through anything in your life and you realize it costs you more than expected? In the midst of all this, they realized as they were heading towards a promised land, expecting a land flowing with milk and honey, they're going to eat grapes the size of pomegranate granites. They'd imagine themselves gardening again. They imagined themselves having a house to live in again. They imagined after 40 years, there would be playgrounds and there would be food gardens and it was going to be absolutely amazing. It's a bit like saying to this generation, every takeaway food store is going to be closed for the next 40 years and Uber is going to shut down. Imagine at the end of 40 years, what would happen? (laughs) They weren't celebrating because Moses was dead. And they had put everything on Moses, taking them into the promised land. 
And I want to tell you today, it wasn't Moses that was taking them into the promised land, it was God. And so many of us hold on to the stuff that props us up and thinks that's the answer. And when our circumstances change and when the stuff around us starts to unravel, we think, God, you've missed out on your promise. You're not going to give us the provisions. And it's just simply God reminding us it's not the stuff that gets us to the promised land. It's him. It's not the stuff that's going to get you where you need to go. It's God. So if you're stuck and you want God to turn up, talk to him, ask him to break through because he's the one that breaks through. And the saddest thing in this whole story is they weren't dancing and celebrating and worshipping because they had ceased to worship because they focused on their situation. In the desert, these Israelites, they danced and they celebrated and they focused. Here is on the eve of the mighty move of God like you've never seen before. And there was absolutely no worship because their eyes were on what they had rather than who they were following. This morning, I want to tell you, we follow an amazing God. I have absolute expectation about this is going to be one of the greatest times for our church because God has moved us into this place. God moved the Israelites ready to cross the Jordan. God has moved us to this place right now. We aren't taking a step backwards. We're not taking a step sideways. We are moving forward. And I'm excited about the lives that are going to be transformed and the ministries that are going to be erupted when we don't even have a building, when people are going to join other groups in the parks, when we're meeting in the parks, when we're meeting in clubhouses, when we're meeting in different churches, that God is going to do something amazing because we serve God, we don't serve our circumstances. And that's when God does his amazing best work. They had doubted the process, but God had an amazing. Carry the ark. When you reach the edge of the Jordan waters, go and stand in the river. Imagine the priest. Joshua, did we get it right? You're telling us we, the leaders, with the ark of the covenant, why did we lose the ark? No. He said, Go and stand in the river, and when you step in the river, you're going to see God. It's when we take a walk of faith, when we start to believe God. When we do that, we see God moved. And as they, so when the people broke the camp across the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood. Imagine Joshua. God, you've called me to lead this group of people and you had to do it when everything was flooding. Couldn't you have done it when everything was, there was only a trickle of water in the Jordan? Flooding, we've got to cross the river. Have you ever said to God, why now? Why has it happened now? We often question God. I could say, God, we're about to leave on our holidays. Why now? You don't question God. You see that God has got this because the bigger the challenge, the bigger the miracle.
Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and the feet touched the water's edge, the water from it piled into a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam. And so the people crossed opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan while all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry land. Could you imagine that? There were thousands of them. We're crossing the Jordan. It's my turn. I step down. And as I step down, I look at this massive wall of water that's building up more and more because we're in flood. And the water's getting taller and taller. And I've got to get across the Jordan. As I'm getting across the Jordan, am I going to look at the water or am I going to look at the promise? It's so easy to look at the wall of water that could come against me, but it won't come against me because God has got that. And there's things you're thinking today that's going to come against you, and the devil put that in your mind and told you, this is going to come against you, this is going to happen. Trust God, it's not, because he's in the middle of this. And they walked across. God is absolutely... While they were worrying... God was working. While they <laughs> were scared, God was working. While they were out of their comfort zone, God was working. You see, the process draws us closer to God. That's what happens. It's in the process that we're, called, we're drawn closer to God. It's in those difficult times. It's in those times when we feel as though we're almost crushed. That's when God is working. I had a great example of this. I was up the, the beach a couple of years ago, um, North Shore, and just um, standing there next to the car, and this massive big eagle swooped down into the ocean just beside me and grabbed this fish in, it, in its claws and flew off. And I just stood there, I'm so jealous, I've never caught a fish that big. But it was massive, and you could just see its wings just take it so strongly as it lifted up. Amazing. And that's what eagles are created to do. But if I could have a chat to this eagle, probably about 10 years ago, he was a little eaglet. And he was an eaglet and is in his mother's nest. And his mum looked after him. He loved being an eaglet because every day his mum would bring the food that he needed and he'd be fed. And that was absolutely awesome. Thanks, mum. Keep feeding me, mum. Thanks, mum. That's beautiful. And he grew and he grew and he grew. And he's a quite a handsome looking eaglet. But one day, his mum kicked him out of the nest. And imagine what he said. How could you do that to me, mum? How could a loving mum who cares for me so much kick me out of the nest? But he didn't have time to think of too much more because he was hysterical. And he started to flap his wings. He started to go crazy with hysterics because he could see the rocks coming below. And in a moment, he was going to be dashed against those rocks. So he panicked and he flapped like he never flapped before. And all of a sudden, he realized he could fly. And he spread his wings and he took off. 
And he started to do what eagles always do. Sometimes God wants to kick us out because it's about time we got hysterical. It's about time we started to flap like we've never flapped before because God wants to see his church soar in a nation that is desperate to see a church soar. And when he sees the church soar and we had the power of God with us, how amazing that is. If you're feeling crushed, trust God. Flap like you've never flapped before. Leaning to God like you've never leant before. And the greatest thing you can do is trust him. Don't let your fear stop you from trusting. Don't let your fear stop you from moving forward. God has already told Joshua three times, mate, be strong and courageous. This is going to take a lot. Move forward. You're going to be more hysterical than that eagle flapping, but move forward, mate. And he trusted and he moved forward and the people crossed the Jordan on dry ground. No matter what it is, push through. No matter what it is that the devil is lying to you about, don't sit in it, push through. Understand crushing is a part of the process. That's okay because when that eagle was crushed and at his lowest, he realized he could soar his highest. And when you're crushed and when you're in a corner, that's when God is going to teach you to soar. Powerful. So Joshua, he got across, he got across and he had wisdom and he had revelation. Some people just lean on wisdom, some people just lean on revelation. But this guy, he had wisdom and revelation. Wisdom was these people need to know what God has done. Revelation is simply they need to believe that this God will provide In verse four, chapter 4, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan. And right there, the priests are standing and they carry them over with you and put them down the place where we stay tonight to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stupid 12 stones mean stuck in the middle of nowhere? You're going to say to them that the Jordan stopped flowing. That I was walking across on dry land and I saw the incredible amount of water pushing towards me and it never touched me because God is a God of miracles. And those stones were to stay there as long as possible, so generation after generation will celebrate what God has done. It's amazing when we celebrate what God has done, when we remember the faithfulness of God. A number of years ago, Meryl and I were over in Christchurch before the earthquake, and we're just wandering around looking at the sights, and we uh, went past this um, fire station, as we went past the fire station, we saw this mangled bit of steel that was just sitting there.
strange sculpture stuff was sitting there. And I said, Meryl, what's that mess all about? And then I read a plaque and said, this steel was from the two twin towers where thousands and thousands of faithful firemen gave their life. And that, sta that structure absolutely meant something to me. I realised, wow, doesn't matter how ugly it looks, it's got a message and it means something. And that's exactly what Joshua, God told Joshua to do for the people. They will always remember the faithfulness of God. And I thought for today, we've got to remember the faithfulness of God. Stories have already started to come out about the faithfulness of God in our fire. The faithfulness of, man, if you want to choose the best time for the fire to happen, that was the best time, guys. Just imagine it happened a week before Christmas with tents and animals and stuff everywhere. Imagine. Imagine... If you saw those flames, if it happened on a night where the wind was ferocious and it was blowing the other way, it would have taken so many houses with it. And yet, it never touched a house. God knows what he's doing. We've got so much, and so many people have stepped up. As I said, everything we have here, people have helped us out with. And so much of this at the moment is for nothing. That's how God works. And this morning, you've been given a stone. Can you find the stone, please? Here, Meryl, catch. You've been given a stone. And I want you to look at that stone and think, how can I remember the faithfulness of God at this time? What has God done? What's God done for me personally? What has God done for me as a church? The faithfulness of God. And you've all got a stone. And I want to make this morning just a momentous occasion that we want to collect these stones. We want to collect these stones and somehow in the future, is there a place for them in our new building? But as people are showing through our new building, somehow, you see these stones? They were stones of faith. But two weeks after our fire, our church meeting together just the same, with all the ministries just about to go, we saw the faithfulness of God and he turned up. And then you'll start to tell all the other stories that start to unfold. It'd be so great. Maybe some of that bent steel could be me me meshed with these for some sort of structure there. But it's remembering the faithfulness of God in the process that helps us push through till the provision comes. So I invite you, look at that stone. What's it mean to you? And as I looked at my stone, I thought, what's this stone mean to me? And I want to just tell you a story, a story 
of what this stone means to me because a week before we had the fire, a week before anything happened, there, there's a husband and wife in the church who had a chat to me and he said, Phil, do you really believe it's time to build this year? I said, yes, I really believe it's time. If you have a look on our planner, when I come back from holidays, the first Sunday back, we're going to launch Thanksgiving because it's the time to build. And they just heard the message about God is challenging us to get out of our comfort zone. So they said, God's challenged us to get out of our comfort zone. We don't have a house, but we want to give $100,000 to start that building program. And that was before we ever knew about a fire. My stone this morning reminds me that God was there before it ever started. And this reminds me that God is going to be there every step of the way providing for us. And when we celebrate what he's done, we're going to go back and say, it's all him. Are you with me? And we need you. We need every single one of you. Now is not a time to say, it's a bit hard to get here on Sunday. Now is not a time to say, oh, it's a little bit hot this Sunday. Now is not a time to have any excuses. Now is the time, church, that we become the church, that we link arms, that we show each other. We will stand together. We're going to push through this. We're going to celebrate this. We're going to worship through this. And we're going to stand still and see the glory and the praise of God. So just think about your stone, think about what it could mean, and I want to invite you just to come up the front. We've got four buckets to collect the stones, and we want to keep these stones. Bring your stone, just simply drop it in the bucket. That's another one that's saying, God, you can do this. I invite you to come.